On today's episode, Dave interviews Neil Flynn. Neil is a star of The Middle on ABC. He's also starred in Scrubs and was in the feature film The Fugitive. He's also a cast member in the improv group Beer Shark Mice. On location at the Los Angeles Improv Fest, I'm Ian Foley. This is ADD Comedy. One of the things that I was thinking about when uh, I got really excited about the chance of talking to you is uh, the, the acting that you did in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you are one of the few people, I think probably the only person on this stage improvising that has worked at the Steppenwolf Theater Company and then performed on the stage. Is that right? Um, as far as you know. It, it, and it, it doesn't As matter. far as I know. I, I yeah. know it's, a, it's, it's not a common thing. Well, no. Most of the time, it, uh, you're kind of one or the other. Right. And the, the explanation for that is that I, when I w- decided to you know, live in Chicago and try to be an actor, that, that, that's all I was doing. I, I had heard of um, improvising. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, had no interest in pursuing it. The, the, the concept uh, made me nervous. Right. And, um, and there was actually one time when I, okay, I'll tell you, I, was, I, I, well, I met um, Rich Kind. Right. And Who's nominated for an, an, a Tony. Is he? He's nominated for a fucking Tony. Producers or what's? No, no, he has a show. What's? A, uh, I can't remember the show, but he was nominated. Good for him. Yeah. That's, see, there's an example of someone who's gone on to a, really, a legit theater career from improvising. Yeah, and um, he did Art, Ruth, and Trudy. He did the practical theater in Chicago. Okay, um, well, maybe he always was an actor. But he, yeah, yeah, but I don't know his background. I mean, I do know his background because I, you know, I was with him through a lot of that. Right. But to watch his work, I mean, but Richard's so fucking intense. Mm-hmm. You know, no, it, you know, it's great. He, he's able to play, you know, comedic sad sacks usually. Right. But he's parlayed that into dramatic sad sacks for right. the most part. But uh, no, I'm, I'm so happy for him. But I saw, I, I, I met him uh, out here, like, let's say the late '80s. When you first came out here, before you moved when back you, to Chicago. Correct. Right. I came out here to try to give that a shot. Right. Mostly on the heels of a girlfriend who had a much better chance. Right. Of uh, succeeding. That was Meryl Streep. It's it, a lady named Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, so I read Richard, Richard's looking at me like, oh, he says, "Have we ever met? Did you did you audition for the Second City?" I said, no, basically wrong guy, lady, you know. Right. And um, the fact is that he was right, but I did it. On he was right a, that you auditioned? Yeah, in such and, a crazy way, though. I was living in Chicago, doing non-equity theater. Right. With, uh, what, with uh, what companies? Uh, Do you remember? There used to be a place called the Absolute Theater Company. Sure. Um, did you ever work at the Prop Theater? Pegasus Players. Pegasus Players, absolutely. They, yeah. were, they were at, weren't they from Truman College? At this point, they were on Bryn Mawr. Right. Uh, upstairs of a something. Well, I love those little fucking theaters, and, uh, man. They, they were some great stuff. I saw, I think it was the Stormfield Theater. I saw, um, uh, now I'm going to forget his name, uh, O'Hara. Jim Dave, O'Hara? Dave. Dave O'Hara. Jim, not Jim O'Hara. Who, who, who's the guy from? Parks and Rec? No, although I, I, I know Jim O'Hara. Right. Dennis. Dennis. O'Hare. O'Hare. I think it's Dennis O'Hare. Yeah, Dennis O'Hare. Dennis. Anyway, yeah. excellent actor who's, who's, who pops up in things. I don't know if there's one thing you can say he's the guy from, right. but I think he was in that vampire thing on HBO. Mm-hmm. True uh, Blood. True Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, had the chance to see him in something called, oh, and I'm going to think about it because it was about the Lindbergh. Like Bruno man. Hauptmann and all no, that stuff? Hauptmann. Right. It's called Hauptmann. Right, right. Hauptmann. He played yes. Hauptmann. Yes. As a, yes. Probably a 25-year-old, as, as I was. God. And I thought it was just great. Right. And I happened to see him in an elevator the next week and, and told him so. 
and he said thank you, and I think he reciprocated with a compliment. He'd see me in something. Right. But something felt really strong that we're, we're all working for free. Right. You know. But we're, we're working. We're, we're working. And you're so young, you're not expecting to be making money. And in fact, the idea almost never really occurred to me other than to have an equity contract. And your that equity now? Your equity? Active. You're still equity? I. Are you paying? In total equity? honesty, I have gone on leave. Or You've gone on leave. That. I, 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 I still pay because one year I couldn't make my I couldn't make my money. Uh -huh. I couldn't make rent, right. and I called the Actors Fund and they paid my rent. And what are they? They paid my rent. Uh -huh. They paid. I think I had uh, uh, some medical payments and a car payment. They paid that for me without asking me for my money for money back. I once took advantage of something called like the shoe fund or that, something. Right. Right. <laughs> they right. Give you twenty bucks toward a pair of shoes. Right. And and it, it's a fund. And I, and I did it. Yeah. For that reason. And yeah. you you were able to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Was, uh, so I'm about three tangents off of where, but, but that's it's called ADD. That's how this goes. Right. Exactly. Oh, ADD. Okay. It's so. called ADD. Um, um, but, but, but Dennis O'Hare is now, right. you know, he's, he's such a good actor in, in, in New York and stuff. And I've just, I feel almost, he's in New York. Uh, for the most part, I think he's been based uh -huh. out there. Uh -huh. But um, I'm, uh, I, I, I know the proud isn't the right word, but I'm sort of proud of those times. Right. And just, you know, I saw Dennis O'Hare when he was 25, and blah right. blah blah. Um, but you were also in, like, like, but the stuff that you were in as well, uh, well, you were in that movie, uh, Henry, A Portrait of a Serial Killer, right? I Even though you did get cut. That. But that, yeah. at that time, nobody was doing that stuff back then. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Independent movie, edgy movie, that sort of it stuff. It seemed crazy that they were even doing it. That's where Michael Rooker, who is, who is not as prominent as he was 10 or 15 years ago, right. although he too, I think he's on the zombie show on, uh, I don't know what anything is called. <laughs> you go, the Dracula show and the yeah. zombie show, yeah. and it's like, what's the, uh, that bowling show? Um, uh, right. Zombie killers. Right. I don't know. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. it. It's very <laughs> popular. But, unless it's, uh, unless it's music or a book, I'm not, yeah. Okay, yeah, you don't watch television. Mm. You're one of those guys. <laughs> um, I, uh, Rooker, yes, was the lead in this Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and it gave him a career. I mean, right. not that he wouldn't have had one anyway, but it, it, it shot him forward. And uh, uh, But I, I actually auditioned for the lead in that, but the audition was in, I know Richard Fire co-wrote it with James McManus or something like that, and, and co-directed it or something. I, the audition was in their kitchen, uh, and just something, I didn't quite grasp what was going on. <laughs> so I didn't try very hard. Right, and, right, <laughs> right, right. How often, but that's happened a lot where you go, what the fuck is this, in your kitchen really? And then suddenly you're going, wait a minute, why is this nominated for an Oscar? Yeah. You know, or an independent, it's going to con, can, can? It it's going so, to can? I know. It, but, wait, well, it worked great, but, but, but then if you have no funding, it was an independently shot and right. all that stuff, how? Right. Where else are they going to hold the auditions here? They don't have a studio, they don't have a sound stage. They don't and have everything office. there was so different. It was different at that time than it is right now. And I think yeah. that, you know, I'm, uh, the toothpaste is already out of the tube and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. But, but during those times, you know, it, it was like catch as catch can and, and you flew by the seat of your pants and that mm -hmm. kind of shit. And you're going, I don't have no idea what I'm doing here, but I'm here. Right. And the places that you auditioned at. You're like, w where is this? What? A what? A warehouse? Really? I don't trust this. But, but then you, you got to work with these fucking fantastic people. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I know it's ADD, but I can't resist. There's something about me that I can't resist going back and finishing a story. Fucking I, finish I the story. Finish okay. the story. I, I, I'd been in, in Chicago for about a year and a half, and a college professor called and said, hey, I'm taking the theater students down there and we're all going to audition for Second City. They set up a special thing. You so you were at Bradley along? at the time? No, I, I had already graduated like mm -hmm. a year and a half before. Mm -hmm. uh, Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois, where I just wandered in because mm -hmm. I had no point, didn't know where I was going and my the teacher rolled his eyes and said, I think I can get you into Bradley. Mm -hmm. So that's how I lived my life. <laughs> so 
Um, do you want to audition for Second City? I thought, well, you, I, I, I know what that is, right. but I'm not. Um, but, you know, as a young actor, you're like, well, any, you know, never turn down an opportunity. Right. So I did audition. We auditioned, you know, six at a time or something. It was strictly out of courtesy. Do you remember anybody that was there Joyce with Joyce was there. Right. Joyce Sloan and Richard was in Richard Kine was in the audience. Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess they're supposed to. We're going really, all the way back to that story. I'm very glad. Thank you very okay. much for reminding me. What they're, right. what they're trying to do, I'm sure, is if anybody has any potential, just try to get them enrolled in classes. And of course, maybe they'll end up working there. But really, right. it's, face it, it's about you know, the classes. And, uh, whatever. It was just a courtesy. So I had no idea what, maybe that's too cynical on my part. I, well, I, you know, I, I also think that there are a lot of people that didn't go to, through the program that got in. That's absolutely true. And I know, I know Richard Kind was one of those people, and I believe that, well, Bo I think Bonnie, t Bonnie Hunt took classes there. Mm -hmm. But Richard got pulled from, by Bernie Solins, from the Practical Theater Company, because I don't think that he, I think it was like, boom, uh, right there. No kidding, I didn't I, know yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, that makes perfect sense. Right. I had no idea, of course, not the first idea, what to do on a stage improvising. Had you seen Second City before? No. No, right. wait, I, that, that's not true. In high school, we saw a touring company at like Barra College. Yes, B-A-R-A-T, yes. Be silent. Yeah. My dad and uncle took me to see this thing. I enjoyed it greatly, but I never thought I want to do that or I can do that. You know what? I felt the same way where I looked at it and I was like, that's a job that somebody else does. That's yeah. not something that I do. Right. I'm glad they're out there. But uh, in fact, around the same time, uh, 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 my cousin was staying with me and his buddy says, hey, what do you know about Second City? You know, I'd like to, I said, well, I'm sure they have classes there or something. And he said, no, I, I want to perform. I said, well, well good luck. <laughs> you know, it was so out there, so I, impossible. I totally understand what you're talking about. And also coming from Chicago, it was really like, you're from Chicago, I'm from Chicago. Come from Chicago, you go, yeah, that, you know, who does that? You know, yeah, so what? You but give up on that about as, around the same time you give up playing for the Bears. Right. I, I right. love it, but that's not going to happen. Exactly. That's for you somebody know. else to do. Right. Right. And in fact, I thought the same thing about Saturday Night Live. That started when I was in high school, and I thought it was great. And you know, you're a young performer, and you'd love to do that. But I, I never thought that's where I'm going to be. As right. You know, some people have thought it and did it. Some people have thought it and did it, and some people have thought it and didn't do it, and sure. are very bitter fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> same as some people who took classes at Second City. And I know. And I think state. Neil, I think a lot of those people that did that were people that came from out of state and said, that's my goal, that's what I'm going to do, and it's got mm -hmm. to be that, and it has to look like that. And when you have those expectations, it really fucks you up. Um, yes, I guess so. If you, if you determine plan A, that's all. Right. And plan A doesn't unfold. Right. Uh, I think plan A is a fun joke for you to have for yourself. To go, I got this plan A. It's like, really? How's that? Good. Okay. Yeah. You ready to jettison plan A? And that's not to say that you're a failure. It's just to say that plan A ain't going to work out. Correct. Yes. You should be. And, and, and the thing is, now some people, even for someone who's very talented, uh, some things don't work out. But uh, sometimes you, you, I'm sure I have come across somebody in my life, maybe more than once, where they tell you their plan A. And then you think, well, that's great. And then you see them do what their plan A is in pursuit of. Right. And you think, you don't have the talent. <laughs> To, to accomplish plan A. You know, even if it's to be a carpenter, they go, I made this birdhouse. And what the? You, know, like, you better come up with a, mm, who am I to say? Oh, right. Or if you want to call it, I'm going to call it something else. If you want to call it a birdhouse, that's fine. But I'm looking at it as something yeah, totally not birdhouseian. Right? Exactly. Exactly. But then you get somebody like, and I mentioned, I mentioned Stephen all the time, you know, get somebody like Colbert, who's like, well, oh, always wanted to be that guy, and he's that guy. But he never called it Plan A or Plan B. He mm -hmm. said, "This is what I'm doing." 
Right. He didn't want to be a movie star or a star of a sitcom or whatever. He wanted to be a personality. Yes. A somewhere between the talk show because the forum didn't exist really when he was. No, um, no. But when he was at Second City, I don't know if you remember any of the scenes that he was doing on main stage. But when couple. he was on main stage, he was just he was being you know you know just that guy. He was that guy. He was that smart fucking guy. And very seldom would you see him cry on stage. You never see him do these other things that were vulnerable things on stage. Right. You just see him be well. Maybe you shouldn't. He I does a head. right. I remember him once being a therapist. He was a therapist so in a scene with me. Perfect. Right. He was in a scene with me, and I called him on his shit because I was his patient for seven years, and he never knew my name, and he didn't know I was gay. And it was like, <laughs> well, did you tell me that? And I was like, yeah, first day. He's like, well, you didn't. And I'm like, you know, that's the sort of thing where he just he would never say that he was wrong. Uh-huh. And I loved him for it. I'm not knocking it at all. But that's who it is that he is. Uh-huh. Right? That's, well, that's fantastic. Right. He never put it into words that was his plan A, but that's what no. he was No. Um, no. Was this your plan A? Or did you have a plan A? Not at all. I thought I would be um, uh, a stage actor and, uh, and things were going okay heading that way. And I was totally ready to be uh, my age now living in an apartment in Chicago with the bookcases lined with plays. Right. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, pr- pretty modest stuff. But if you get to be sort of a regular lead actor on Chicago sure. that was going to be, I was, I was accepting it. That was enough. I don't know when, if ever, I would have headed out here if I hadn't gone with this girlfriend. And I came out here and it was a disaster for me. Well, she, but you, I thought the girlfriend was the first time, not the second time. It was, came but I'm just saying, that I this, see. That once, once, having been here once for right. five years, even though I spent most of the time uh, moving furniture and uh, various other pursuits, you know, to pay the rent, uh, I had it in my head that I might someday come back. Right. Um, I broke up with the girl, moved back to Chicago did theater. Um, so that was the theater that you that did, that, that you did, what, so you did uh, Steppenwolf there, you did, what else did you do there? I'd done the Goodman before moving the first time. Right. That's the other big theater in Chicago. Uh, I'm sure there's, it might be different now. Um, I, I, and I was very, you know, the, with each thing you do, you ever done this, you think, um, well, if this is the last thing I ever do, at least I can say I did this. I, that's what I, my feeling at and Second City I, all the time. Well, mine too, but that was so out of the blue that I thought this is crazy. And it, it did occur to me that, uh, well, if nothing else ever happens, I, I worked at both Steppenwolf and Second City. And, I, <laughs> and the Goodman. And the Goodman. And I just thought, well, I'd never, you know, that's, if, you know, if it all goes to pieces tomorrow, uh, I can always say I did that. Um, that's so important because that's really being grateful for what it is that you've got, you know? And I think that a lot of people are going, because I, I know a lot of people who just wanted to shoot themselves in the head, literally and figuratively, because shit didn't work out and it's like, what's your plan? It's like, you know what? Look at what you have. And I, I was always freaked out at Second City where I was dealing with people who were bitter at being at Second City on a stage getting equity wages. What, why? What? How? Right. How? That's what I want to know. Why? What? How? Because they didn't Why? Jeff I have no or? fucking idea. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. Well, it you comes know? up now. I think of things, you know, I've had some good luck, more than you could ask for uh, doing this. And, well, not more than you can ask for, but you know what I mean? More than you could expect. Mm-hmm. And That's important. people ask all the time, like, say, now it's the summer. I, I know I get to go back and work in August. Right. Great position to be in. And so I'm going to do, except for this and that, traveling or something, nothing professionally, unless someone happens to ask, right. which they probably won't. And people ask me all the time, so you got something else going? And it always reminds me that I, I don't need more. You know what I mean? Right. Or I don't need to feel dissatisfied with my progress or accomplishments uh, just because I could, I suppose. I, it, it, I think it does you some 
good and maybe puts years on your life to say, I'm okay. Right. And I'm not striving. I'm not bitter. I'm not want more. I don't, I have a great job and it would be crazy to be discontent because no one's given you a statue for it, a trophy. Right. You know, how many people get trophies for their job, you know? Well, you've gotten a couple of <laughs> but you've gotten trophies. A couple of trophies. No, no, no. Right, exactly. But, yeah. uh, but, uh, but that's such an important thing. I think that it's just so important to go to want what you have and to look at it and go, I want what I have. And, I, and whatever it is that I don't have, I don't want it. And I don't have to want it because everybody else says, you really should do this or right. don't, on your, on your hiatus, shouldn't you be working on another fucking project? If you wanted to, you would. Mm -hmm. But your mo I think for me, the motivation has to be, it's not that I'm dissatisfied. It's like, I just can't stop working. I love working so much. Well, that's but okay. That's there okay, too. That. That's what keeps some people working and, and, and vibrant in their 70s or something. Right. They just love doing it. You well, do, don't you see yourself doing that? Um, probably. Right. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I had it in my head uh, that maybe, you know, at some point in the, I don't know. I, I, I pictured myself saying, well, that's enough. And I'll, and I'll uh -huh. go live somewhere else. And I thought... It took about two seconds. I thought, and do what? Sit there in, in that apartment in Chicago <laughs> with the plays? Uh, <laughs> no, I can do this because I'm, you know, I did TV for a while. And, uh, and that's the other factor. You don't, you don't, I don't know. I don't want to go, if you're, you're somehow recognizable from what you've done, it seems extra weird to go back and just live a normal life. It, it's almost like you. Right. Uh, it's not a normal life, the life, that you, the life that you led before. It's not the that life, it's abnormal right, 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 normal. Right. To go like back. That. To go back. Yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense. Because you are where you are right now. I love it here. I really like it in yeah. L.A. Good. I really like it here. I'm thinking about moving, but that's a different story. But, you know, I, uh, I th I'm, I'm, I'm looking at San Francisco. No kidding. I'm just looking. I have a niece that just graduated high school. And she is she looking for a roommate? University of San Francisco. Uh -huh. And she is not, but I would like you to go live with her there. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Mind. I would do that. I don't know her. I don't think it'd be creepy because I'm not that kind of guy. Right. You're not interested in 18-year-olds. No, 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 no. Explain no. that to her. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. I'd like to explain that to her without you giving her any prep at all. Exactly. Just I show up with a bunch of books uh, and bags. <laughs> and say, go, don't worry. Right, it's don't not worry. A sex uh, thing Uncle Neil said you'd understand, and this is what's going on, <laughs> and everything's okay. <laughs> everything's okay. When you move back to Chicago. What was that? What was that feeling like to go to move back to Chicago? Like, like uh, it felt great. It felt great. I was right when I was leaving here. I'd been here for maybe four years, going on five. You were here for a long time. Yeah, I think so. Let's say eighty-seven to ninety-two. Uh huh. Um, yeah, and I, I know I went back in ninety-two, and with, with great relief to. Um, I drove. My, someone stole and smashed my car right before I left. I was already planning to leave like Wednesday. Uh huh. And on the prior Thursday, someone took a joyride and ran into a telephone pole. And I, and I didn't have any money and just told the mechanic, just, you don't have to, just make it able to drive 2,010 miles, which is how far it is from here to my parents' driveway. After that, I don't care. And it shouldn't have made it, but it did. Um, you drove by yourself? Yeah. And I was that just, must have been an awesome drive, by yourself. Yes, oh, I was so glad to be, not only getting out of here, but going back home. Right. 
and uh, ready to start a whole new thing. And was, and was able to start pretty quickly and was very happy to be back on. There were some familiar faces, and, but to get back on stage and I got some momentum going pretty quickly that I was able to do this play and that play. Uh -huh. And I was doing that play and was sitting with Martha Levy, who was a friend of the director's, whose name is Neil something. He now runs the some big ass theater out here. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Neil, that I can't recall your last name. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> but anyway, they, they were friends. And so we're watching the rehearsal. For some reason, I'm not in this scene or something. I'm talking to Martha Levy, who was the artistic director at the Steppenwolf Theater. And if you don't know that, it's a big, a renowned theater in Chicago. And what show are you doing there? There we were doing Mad Forest by Carol Churchill. It uh -huh. was really cool. And you were on the main stage I there? I was jumping in for, I was taking over for, now I can't think of his name. That's what happens uh, when you're on the show. I know. Shit. Um, but he's the man who recently won, I think, a Tony for writing that thing about um, oh, Raisin oh, in the Sun. Yes, uh, oh, Raisin in the Sun? No, okay. Yeah, the new version of Raisin in the Sun called Clyburn Park. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh, but yeah. he, he was a Chicago actor. So he was. Writer. He was. You you understudied him, or you I, feel, I replaced you, him. you replaced him. Yeah. Right. Right. So so that's <clears> what <throat> I was doing there. The point of this uh, story is that uh, um, Martha Levy, we were chatting, and she said, you know, she knew I'd just gotten back from L.A. and that right. I had failed and so on, and she said, did you ever think of quitting? And not only hadn't I thought of quitting until she asked me that, I hadn't realized that I never thought of thinking of quitting. And you didn't consider what you were doing quitting? No. Right. No. It was, it was a, just the it next was a thing tactical that you retreat. Was it a retreat? Was it a retreat, though, Neil? Was it a retreat? You weren't retreating. You were not retreating. I, well, I, I left LA saying to myself, if not the, you know, the city borders, I may be back. Right. Um, so I was going back, you know, uh, where I was more comfortable and had a more logical chance of doing what I wanted to do. Uh, you weren't I, I didn't done there also. Back here. Hmm? You didn't, you, but you, I wasn't done. You there, weren't done. You said, right. Exactly, I wasn't done. You weren't and done. And, and so it's not, it's not a retreat, it's your next part of the journey. Right. And that's not me, you know, polishing a turd. No, that's you're right. Me, that's Had me I come to LA when I did, <coughs> I was actually getting off the road that I was best suited for. Right. And it turned out to be a longer, I should have stayed on that road longer. But the thing is that you can't even say that you should have stayed on that road because what happened out here gave you information to live your life in Chicago. That is correct too. Mm -hmm. And came back having, you know, seen the big city and gotten my ass kicked a little bit. Right. I and was, got an education. Got an education. Mm -hmm. you, I was a little more, <coughs> not that I ever needed to be humbled, I don't think, but I was anyway. And therefore appreciative of, of maybe of, of more things and also not intimidated by something. Right. Well, you certainly knew how to drive around here. You knew what, what, what L.A. was like. You knew what the city was like. You weren't coming right. here going, oh, L.A., skyscrapers and everything. You know, that kind of shit. Right. You know, like straw suitcase. Exactly. <laughs> As Joe Lips would go. You know, it's like. Singing in the Rain? Is that what that was? No, he would always play that guy. Sure. Gene Kelly in yeah. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, right. I know my musical. You do. Um, but uh, correct, and, and now also, you know, the times you're out here, and you can't help but when you're first out here and you get an audition at Paramount or 20th Century Fox or something like that, you, again, you're saying, well, if nothing else, at least I, I know. walked on this lot, right. saw all that mural. They walking by pushing scenery, like, exactly. hey, I've seen that. And, exactly. So dun, you're thrilled by that, dun, dun, if not right. intimidated by it. Right. So walking into the theater building to audition for some play is going to intimidate you less because you've been rejected by better folks than these. You know right. I mean? right, 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 so, right, right. So there was that sort right. of aspect to it. And this might be a nice way to get to this. I had never improvised before, but a door opened for it. 
and I did it and it turned out I liked it and I was good at it. And part of the reason I was good at it is because I wasn't afraid or nervous or intimidated by it because I was eight or 10 years older than everybody else doing it. Right. It was on a, in a small theater. I'd been in bigger theaters. I've right. been in, you know what I mean? Yep. It wasn't scary. Right. No, when I, when I was reading today, I was, when I was reading a little bit about your, your bio, what really kept occurring to me was that you were older than, at that moment, you were older than the, uh, the, 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 improv, gene, the improv pool yes. at that point. Yes. And I was the same sort of thing, where I was coming in at 30, 31, 32, something like that, to the improv, to, to uh, I.O., no, not so much I.O., but Second City, and I was an older person at the time, so it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, it wasn't know totally that. whatever, but right. I was you're never not, intimidated. There's not stars in your eyes because you're, just because you're older. And this wasn't, you know, your thing from high school to college to classes to Second City to Second City. I'm actually there. Your dream. You're saying your dream. Right. Right, right. right. It, 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 nor, nor, like, the end point of your plan A. Right. Know? It's just a place you happen to end up, and you've been here and there. And right. I know. Well, there's the, well, then the, the idea of an end point. Really, an end point? What the fuck's an end point? Really? Uh, Where you go, I got it. I, you know, I can't. I know. I think probably there are some people who think that way, though, about an end point that we wouldn't consider a, a logical or grand well, enough end point. I, the only thing, like, people that I can think of are astronauts and, <laughs> you know, and, like, astronauts. Right. Like, Football I went on in space, and that was pretty, right, that was pretty much so it, and I'm an astronaut. And it's like, all right, good, now what? It's like, I'm thinking about doing improv. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm scared. It's like, yeah, I can't blame him. Yeah, be scared. Well, right? yeah, right. I've been in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> Running out of oxygen, right. but I can't imagine getting up there and taking doing freeze tag. <laughs> <laughs> freeze tag. Yeah, oh, oh, I saw you guys do freeze tag. Crazy that thing about oh, right, right. I can see my house from here. Like, how do you come up with that shit? I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. But the, then there's also the people that you work with at that time that were kind of like certainly the people that you because tonight you're here to do beer shock mice and those guys are not just you, you, you not just uh, your peers in terms of you y'all y'all moving up together, but age wise everybody is pretty much the same age. Is Close. that true? Yeah, I'm still the oldest, but right. uh, yeah. They're 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 right. they are closer to my age than the the group I was mostly with in Chicago. Yeah. None of these guys was on a team with in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Only for a little while. Right. But um yeah, no, you're talking um uh, yeah, the, the the group that I spent two, three maybe four years with in Chicago that really showed me where I, you know, whatever, you had a little success there. And from those there, people were, those people were the, the uh, not the family. It was called the family. The family, yeah. right, the family. Right. Um, it was called the victim's family until someone actually died. Uh, Who died? His name was Rick Roman. Right. Yeah, remember that? He, yeah. His taxi drove off a, a, a cliff That's, in, in uh, But that, that was later after the family. Was no, it? that was before. That was that's before. That's why they changed the name. And I wasn't on the team then. I, I, I more about or this. less replaced him, and they brought in Matt Besser and Ian Roberts from another team, uh -huh. and the victim's family. One, one, it was a different team. Two, someone having died, it, you shouldn't have victim in the... Uh, I, I always felt like, like certain things that you don't want to be is um, friend of the victim. That's just like, you never want to be... Life, in real life? In real life. I never want, in a news story, for, say, Dave Rosowski, friend of the victim. Yeah. Because that's sort of the same thing. And I've thought about that before, and I think it's interesting because it's like what that's an odd uh, trepidation to have. Someday Who wants to be? No, no, I don't want to have that. I know. I don't. Trepidation meaning something you're afraid of. Right. Right. I you like books. I do like books. <laughs> okay. Um, you can't like books and be trepidatious. Yeah, you can. I just I'm saying that I'm saying that you didn't know what the word meant. Oh no, I did. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. All right. Um, but I got excited. That I, I was will remember to never to refer to you as as, as a friend of the victim. And I certainly hope you're not the friend of the victim. That's what I'm saying. I never want to be a friend of the victim. And I, so let's not be friends. 
in case something happens to me, I don't want. No, wait, oh. no, that's the wrong way to put it. Right, right. If you are my friend, then you might actually be referred to as a friend of the victim, and the victim might be me. Right. That's what I'm getting at. So <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm avoiding okay. being all the right. victim. All right, all right, all right. We, we can cut this whole part out if you want, and, because we're not going to juju it. So, so you're saying it became the family. So in the family were, uh, was, was, were those guys, but wasn't also... Um, Adam McKay, Ali Faranaki, and, and Ali Faranaki and Right. right. So uh, I look at Ali and what Ali's doing right now in New York, and that's, that's one of those things where you go, I bet he fucking never thought that he would be doing that. Like right. the, running that school, and it, I don't know if you know about the new the new building that he has. It's oh, just really? an amazing. <laughs> like it's an amazing. He's got a building. Like this fucker put in it new together York. in New York. He has. That's fantastic. Uh, a simple stage, I think it's called something like that, where he's done it upright and he rents out space to people, and it's just. Plus, he has his own school. He you know, owns the, the building. I don't know if he owns. Well, he kind of runs the place, or, and he came and he put it all together. It sublets. <clears throat> teaching spaces. Exactly, That's right. fantastic. Right. Good for him. I but was no, but there's so many time. people that you look at and you go, huh, I bet, again, you never fucking thought that you'd be doing that. But we have our own path and that plan A needs to be something anecdotal that you're ready to go, I'm going to jettison it. It shouldn't need to be jettisoned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think a lot of times what you discover if you're in any uh, <laughs> industry or pursuit for long enough, if you realize you're not going to um, you know, be hired as the head coach that's going to win the Super Bowl, which is always your dream. Right. Um, you realize there are little uh, off ramps on the way that you can right. still be involved in the industry. Right. You you can be a you know a this or a that a consultant a, a, a special assistant. Have a podcast. Have a <laughs> oh Dave, no. Love you. Oh, you might be a victim. I'm um, sorry. No, no, but you're right. But those things aren't like oh, you know what? I'm not an astronaut, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll instead be this guy. You just go. I'm not an astronaut because I like doing that. Ideally, I guess that would be better. But I no, think but that, you find you, you might actually like doing that. But if right. Right, and I know a lot of people go, you know what, I'm so glad I didn't get X because it wouldn't have set me up for Y, which has made my life so much, I, I, right well, now I just many, can't remember. How many of our friends who were improvisers uh, came out here or to New York to attempt to be performers, Right. ended up being writers, Yes. and are successful writers and happy about it? Right. That, that would count. Yes, that would clearly count. Mm -hmm. That would clearly count. I mean, I think, look at Kay Cannon. You know, uh, yes. You know, I, I wonder if Kay, and uh, I haven't spoken with her uh, since uh, in, in a while, but I wonder if Kay, you know, had that same sort of thing where she's like, you know what, I'm finding this is what I want to do. Probably. And she may still want to perform, but right. that was her, you know, the ticket she got. Right. Uh, that was the ticket she got. And I know she wrote for 30 Rock and what else is she, but she probably. She wrote for 30 Rock. She wrote for the, the girl, the real girl, the girl, some girl. Anybody know? All right, anyway. New girl? New girl. What? To talk? Yeah, Pitch Perfect. She did the movie Pitch Perfect. See? Right, right. She did Pitch Perfect. That's, that's fantastic. What a great movie. I didn't see it. Um, I didn't see it either, but it's a great movie. <laughs> um, but you look at that and you go, okay, fine. You, you did that because and there's, there are a lot of us who say that. But I talked to, um, uh, I talked to Andrea Alexander, the, um, uh, who, who owns Second City. And Andrew was saying, what we have to do with actors is teach them how to write so they can have a, a skill set that helps them develop who it is that they are. Because to be at Second City is one thing, but to be at Second City and to have that skill set, a skill set of being able to really write mm -hmm. is, it just seems to me, 
Is he talking about as he sends them off into the world or yes. as he grooms them for the stage? As he sends them off into the world and as he grooms them for the stage. Because I think that right now, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that Second City right now is different than when you and I were at Second City. Like there's probably more people coming in with finished scripts or with scripts that are 65% done than mm -hmm. when we were there where we would go, really, you're bringing this in for me? Hmm. At least that's what, you know. No, yeah, that didn't, uh, that didn't happen at all. In fact, when I first joined a, a touring company, mm -hmm. um, I, had, I, I had written a, 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 a sketch. Mm -hmm. And someone said, you know, hey, do you have anything you know, from before? Yeah, actually. And so, here, let's read this through. Mm -hmm. And it, from, from like the second or third line, well, here's how it goes. You know, uh, morning, Dad, morning, son. Ding dong, doorbell rings. Uh -huh. I'll get that. Hello, who are you? That's how it's written. Right. It's like, morning, son. Nice hat. Hey, thanks, Dad. I think I'm going to become a cowboy. <laughs> Ding dong. What the heck? Who's that? The tax collector? These are improvisers reading your script. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there going, don't just, just say it. <laughs> and so therefore, the rhythm is all wrong. The jokes are all wrong. And, and, and we get done with it. Or two pages in, and someone says, ah, well, let's move on to something else. I'm like, yeah, let's. And I just thought there's a difference between an actor and this other form of performing. Right, and, right. And, and that was one of them. Right. The, from the get-go, from the first time <laughs> seeing the script, <laughs> disregard what's on the page. It was exactly. kind of amazing to me. And also when I started with these guys uh, uh, touring, we're doing like the, you know, like once a month or something, you get to do a Monday show on the main stage yes. as, as a touring company. First time we're doing it, I'm out there doing a scene and they're backstage having a pillow fight or something. <laughs> Like you can hear them clear as day. Maybe the audience can't hear them, but my fellow actors are back there clowning around and and that's very different from you. Very with, with, different, right? Right. You know the idea of you know actual straight theaters. And by the way, the people are a lot less fun. Even the people I thought were fun. Oh, uh, you're talking about straight actors. You know. Yes. 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 When right. I I thought they were fun, and then when I started hanging out with a different kind of uh, performer, boy, were those people comparatively boring? I say comparatively. Right. And uh, let me say this quickly. I've told this story before, but I was at Steppenwolf, sitting around in the green room. And Do you I remember got, your cast? They, they might have thought I Do you was remember happy. your cast? Ah, oh, Marianne Maybury, Jan Barford, uh, the lady I mentioned, Martha Levy, mm -hmm. Robert Bruhler. Okay, that's all right. Okay, that's all right. Okay. Uh, and so, um, uh, they said, so anyone doing anything after this? Someone said. And I said, I might do a one-man show at the Bailiwick. And Bailiwick is a small theater, primarily uh, it became a very gay-themed uh, Oh, theater, okay. I, I think. I uh -huh. think. Well, its location was in gay town. Okay. Yeah. We... <laughs> what, you can't say, so, you can't say town? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Actually, because I was already thinking what I'm about to say is a little less PC than it was 15, 20 years ago or something. Right. But it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Please, nobody take offense. I was just doing a bit. And I said, I'm thinking of doing a one-man show at the Bailiwick called uh, I'm Gay. And they said, but are you gay? I said, no, I know nothing about the lifestyle, and in fact, I haven't written a word and done any research. And we go, we go up, uh, you know, we go up next Tuesday. They're like, how's that going to happen? And I said, I don't know. It's up to the director. And here's another thing: I should have hired an American director. Lars does not speak a word of English. We haven't spoken yet. And um, you know, the, the curtain goes up in, in six days. <laughs> Finally, somebody says, "Hold on, is this another one of your lies?" <laughs> Technically, it's not the truth. I suppose you could say it's a lie, but I'm kind of just kidding. Right. But uh, you know, but in a way that made me think, where are my 
improviser friends <laughs> who would just go along with this, you know. And, you're and nobody would ever think of you going, like when you're going up on stage of you lying. Like the idea of you're lying. <laughs> Don't we all lie every night? <laughs> exactly. You, you're not a Southern Belle. Exactly. <laughs> with that glass right. menagerie, are you? Right. Why are you lying right, to Right, exactly. And that's what gets me too about, but that also gets me about actor, improvisers who, who don't call themselves actors because they don't think that they can play that Southern Belle on stage. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so you coming into the work with your background of acting, mm -hmm. um, you have, and I feel that a lot of, a lot of improvisers that I say, I say that word disparagingly. A lot of improvisers need to have that acting chops and to know their and, and to know a little bit about the fact that all improvisation is acting. So you get to do all those things that you would do in a play. Why mm. is it that when we enter a scene, when we improvise and we enter a scene, we're suddenly not aware of our blocking or we're not aware of our placement or we're not right. aware of our object work? Like it suddenly goes out the fucking window. I think you. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's a good um, uh, way to look at it. I've been less generous um, in, in, in that, that sort of discussion. But people, I guess you learn sort of things like stage pictures. Yes. And when to face out. Yes. Like not to talk facing that way. You don't need theater. Unless you want to. to. Unless you want right. to. Right. But you, you can eventually learn. I think people do the longer they're on stage. But if you've had any training at all, you, you, you arrive knowing it and already doing it. Um, I think that might be uh, you know, a small advantage that I, that I said that I felt I had when I started. I, and I, I agree. I, I was totally comfortable on stage. Right. I just never uh, improvised. But I'm saying, you, you, what's more generous about you saying that is to say that they, don't they realize they are acting? Um, I, I've gone the other way, because uh, I have a more craven spirit than you do. We just said a lot of times these people think they're acting and they're not. Now, they're performing, no doubt about it. They're kind of acting in that they're impersonating or enacting something, a type other than their own, mm -hmm. often. But it's not the same as having a job with a script and you have to act. Uh, it's not the same. And a quick one, I was talking to one of our, um, our, our, our friends from the Second City, and she said uh, she's taking, oh, heading out to LA. I said, great, what are you gonna do? And she said, act? I guess. Why do you ask? You know, I thought, I don't know. I said, apparently, this is her telling the story back to me. I don't, I don't remember the conversation. I don't remember. But uh, apparently, my response to her saying that was, can you act? And she I, said... I, I have a feeling it might, I had the same conversation with the, the same woman. Really? Okay, it could be. Well, I'll finish it. The thing is... No, is, go ahead. Right. Okay. She came back a month later. She goes, do you remember this conversation? I said, I do not. She said, I'm not surprised. But I was very offended by you asking me if I could act. I got in my car and I thought, can I act? <laughs> and signed up for an acting class while still in Chicago before heading out here. Right. And I wasn't trying to you know, offend her. It was an honest thing about it. How long ago was this? 10, 15 years. <laughs> it might have been the same life. person. Still in Chicago. Yeah, it might have been the same person where I said, you're going out here, what are you going to do? And she said, act. And I was like, oh, act, really? <laughs> and like, she's like offended. I'm going, of course she's, you're going to be offended. She's a performer. Right. But to me, there's, and I think it's just a fact, there's a difference. And, but, and yet I, I'm always, I love watching an improviser suddenly go from improvising to acting. And mm -hmm. I think that, that when, because what I teach, I, what I teach, uh, I teach improvisers, let's fucking act here. Let's be aware of where we're standing. Let's be aware of what we're talking about. Let's be aware that our words matter mm -hmm. and shut the fuck up and watch each other and be with each other in that mm -hmm. moment. And I think that watching Beer Shark Mice, you guys are always present to everything that everybody's doing and there's not a word that is not heard and, 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 and potential. You know what might be a, the best thing an actor could take from improvising 
is because it's actually more important in improvising is listening. They tell you, you know, to with actor, you listen to your partner, that, you know, zone in and so on. And okay, okay. It's actually more important, isn't it? When yes. you're improvising, you can't turn. Like people ask sometimes backstage, do you go, hey, let's go on as, you know, Fred and Wilma Flintstone or something. You can't spare, especially in a fast paced show, you can't spare that moment of diverting your attention from the stage because you can miss something that you'll get wrong when you walk out there. He right. said he works at a quarry or he called the guy Max. Right. And you miss that in the second that you yeah. try to do something else. Right. And so it's not worth it. Right. It's listening intently the whole time and, and, and concentrating. And I'm, I, I'm not going to say I'm tired, but I know I'm a bad conversationalist for 10 minutes after finishing a show because I'm mentally tired. Right. Because you've been listening intently for 40 It's minutes. a muscle that you're using at that moment. You're really like listening on a subdermal level. You're listening on a different level. And, and, and so, and, and yet I watch certain t actors on TV and I'm thinking, why don't I believe that person? Because I don't think, I know they have a script, but they're not fucking listening to what that other actor gave them, their cue. Mm. You still have to listen. Mm -hmm. And you still have to be uh, affected by it. Sheldon Patinkin, you know, he once said, you know, that, that the listening skill that we have in improvisation is just as important as when we have scripted material or when we have scripted material, we still have to listen because I have to react and respond off of that line that you just gave me. Mm -hmm. If I'm not going to include you in, which means I'm not listening to you, mm -hmm. then that moment is not going to look true. Mm -hmm. I'll give you another, I'll give you a selfish reason to listen uh, when you're I don't on, need one, but on. go ahead. Okay, okay. When you're on camera, um, and I've always considered it moving without the ball, because the same is true with uh, on stage. Stay alive, mm -hmm. even though you don't have lines. Right, uh, right, right. And um, listen, stand there, and you know you have something to say. You're just not saying it. Uh, look at it that way. Um, but like in a, in a in a basketball sense, moving without the ball. Just because you don't have the ball, you don't just stand there. Move around, set a pick, get open. You know, do do something. And here's the selfish reason you might want to do that. When they're shooting my coverage, um, even though you have a speech, or in between my lines, and you're talking, stay alive and react to what's, especially in comedy, or although, sure, with everything. Right. Stay alive and react because so many times they need something to cut to. Yes. Uh, especially right. if you have a useful reaction. Um, they, they will cut to you briefly just to, because they like that reaction. It, it can be a comedic one, you know, help the joke sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And other times they cut away from that speech because it all wasn't good. They need a, the first part was and the end was. So they got to cut away in the middle of it. So right. they got to cut to who the person's talking to. So stay alive and it'll give you more camera time. That's my selfish angle. <laughs> if, if, you're, if, if you're doing a good job listening, they will put it on. Isn't it also, it's that, and isn't it also, I need you to tell me who I am. So all the lines that I'm giving to you, when you're present with those lines, you are reinforcing. Like while you were talking, I was nodding and going, no, just mm -hmm. even, even like on camera, if I'm nodding at you, mm -hmm. I'm encouraging you in a way that is a nonverbal way. I'm saying, mm -hmm, yeah, okay, uh-huh. As mm -hmm. you keep going on, which is giving you motivation to keep that scene alive for you, right? which keeps it alive for me, Later on, does that make sense? Um, yes, except halfway through, I thought of something that I thought of what I was going to say next, so I stopped listening. <laughs> to you. It was along the same lines, and some, somebody you know observed a, lo a long time ago that it, it, just as far as social, uh, uh, not even social norms, just human behavior is. Two people are talking. The person looking at the other person is the one who's not talking. Often, the listener is not free to their gaze to wander. 
listener listens that like, I can be talking and, and I'm like this or whatever or because I'm not done yet and you know I'm not done yet because I'm not looking at you. Usually right. when I'm done, I, I turn it over to you. Yes, you put a period at and the end of it. You have to look at me to know when I'm turning it over. Cues. And of course, cueing that you're listening. Yes. By, by, by staring at me. Yeah. Yes. But I wonder if we do that at all on stage. Well, I know from, from, for me, when I'm watching two people act, I'm, if somebody's yammering, I'm, gonna, I'm not looking at that person anymore. I'm looking at that person, the silent person, to see what that person's reaction to that other person is. They, so his mm -hmm. silence is giving that scene so much. Right. Right? You know? And why is he being silent? You have to, um, when there's a long speech in a play, and also when it's yours, or you know, on, on TV or movie or anything, if there's a long speech, you'd be wrong, unless it's a courtroom scene or something. The, if it's your long speech, the beginning of the speech, if it's a conversation, you're not starting out knowing you have three minutes to talk. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, 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 maybe you're just going to say one thing and then have another thought and another one and here's the thing and you keep on going and, until there's a reason to stop or the person interrupts you. There's no end. Uh, there it's is a no continuation. There is no predetermined end. Exactly. Nor is there a predetermined non-end. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You don't start talking like because you know in the script you have an entire page. But when somebody does... like and the other person in the scene should be behaving not as if they're sitting down to listen to a speech. Right. And knowing when the speech ends. And, or knowing uh, when the speech ends. Right. Amen. Oh, there's a fucking amen coming any moment. You're like, I got to be ready because some shit might fucking happen in the middle of that thing. And I'm going, what do you mean, right. vaginal warts? You were just talking about bakery <laughs> items. It's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Or any, any nonverbal thing you want to do. It's, um, it's just staying alive in the scene. Right. You're just not speaking. You can roll your eyes or more, depending on what your character feels. Yeah. Walk away, turn around, you know, get up, sit down, throw a pillow somewhere. I don't know. This isn't. I'll good. fucking be present to the whole thing, That's you know? Stay present. I did. It, I, I once had. A, remember Wisdom Bridge Theater? Yes, I love Wisdom Bridge Theater. I did too. And I was there toward the end of Bob Falls' run. He ended. Now he's the big famous guy in New York and stuff. But the, um, I, 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 I was happy, thrilled to be in a production of Hamlet um, in which I played the made up part of the king's bodyguard. Mm -hmm. You can't make up a part in a Shakespearean play and give it lines. So, I had no lines. Right. It was fine. I was probably 25 years old. Anytime the king was on stage, I was on stage. Never spoke, obviously, but uh, stayed alive. It was one of the best acting experiences of my life. From day one of rehearsal of Hamlet to the night I left the show, I saw Hamlet rehearsed and performed for about six or seven months uh -huh. by very good actors. It was a fantastic experience. Oh, what I'm getting at, I had to leave the show eventually. Uh -huh. And uh, when I broke the news to Mr. Falls, um, you know, I, I suppose imagining he might try to keep me, talk me into staying or something because I was so damn valuable. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, okay, I'm surprised you stayed this long. Not <laughs> 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 trying to offend me. He was just being, being honest. Right. Um, but they, they remounted it again at the Goodman, a handful of people in, in replacing other people who are now unavailable. I saw the guy playing <laughs> the King's Bodyguard, and that's exactly what he was not doing. If, if, if it wasn't whatever, a key moment of blocking for him or whatever, he might as well have been waiting for a bus. He's standing out there, you know, like looking at the, the lights or the audience or something. I right. said, damn, man, come on. You're the bodyguard. <laughs> right. And the prince is screaming at the king. Right. But, but that's something also that you're coming into it, getting excited about being present there. Because that guy, his ego is running the fucking show. As opposed to, I need you right now. If I'm the king and I watch Carlos fucking space out, I'm like, dude, 
Where the fuck are you? You know right. what I mean? Be ready. Be fucking ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it drives me crazy when somebody on stage like suddenly crosses their legs. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Why did you cross your legs? Because right. I was it tired. It doesn't fit the emotional No, moment. it doesn't. Right. Suddenly you're not there anymore. And I watch people on this stage move fucking about. I want to grab them and punch them and go, where the fuck are you right now? I really want to do that. It drives me crazy because it's like, you know what? The people that I love on this stage are on this stage when they're on this stage and they're not off this stage when they're on this stage. Uh-huh. In their mind. Uh-huh. They're here. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, a little bit of separating the men from the boys. We need an update on that phrase, I think. Uh, <laughs> separating the men from the boys. Well, it should, now, it's generally a good idea to separate the men from the boys. But, I mean, just... Uh, it, well, it's also... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. there is the wheat from the chaff. Right, I was thinking when thing. you said the men from the boys, wheat from the, the chaff, but you're also talking about rocks. separating the 54-year-old men from the 17-year-old women in, New, in San Francisco. You know, separating that, too. Oh, right, right. Like, defining those things. Right. Because we, we will separate you from my niece. That was, that was, <laughs> we will. Um, okay, that. let's end there. We're going to end there. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDCOMEDY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDCOMEDY.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.